Hello, welcome to Why Not Me. In life, we face many trials and obstacles, many challenges, and in the thick of it, we can be tempted to think, why me? But every obstacle presents an opportunity and every trial can bring triumph. So I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of, why not me? When, when in the middle of it, when things are tough, look around and think, why not me? It's, it's happening for a purpose. And then when success is at your doorstep and all you have to do is open it, you may find yourself hesitating, questioning, is this for me? Do I deserve this? And I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of why not me? Throw the door open wide, shout to the world, why not me? Embrace your success. I'm your coach, Todd Halls. I'm grateful to have you on this journey. Welcome to Why Not Me. Hello, hello. Welcome to Why Not Me, turning trials into triumphs, seeking and embracing success. I'm your host, Coach Todd Halls. Grateful, grateful, grateful to be here with you and so grateful for you listeners for tuning in and for the gift of your time. I'm confident you're going to find value today. Our guest, I am so excited to share him with you. Our guest today is none other than Benj Miller. I know Benj as a husband, as a dad, as a serial entrepreneur, a Christ follower, and currently, uh, well, and forevermore now, founder of System and Soul, and and so much more. And I know Benj is going to fill us in on that. He's actually been on the show before. He was on on episode 25. So excited to see what further value we can pull out of Benj today. Benj, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me. It's fun to be here. Always appreciate any time we get to hang out together. Cool. Cool, cool. Well, so just give us a little bit of background. So I think where I want to know first is System and Soul. It's your, your as far as I know, your latest endeavor. Um, Lay a little groundwork. What's that look like? How'd it come about? Oh, man. Well, um, it is my latest endeavor, but um, as I, I think I've moved from a serial entrepreneur to a recovering super uh, serial entrepreneur because uh, this is this is the one that I feel a calling to spend a long season of life in. Like, I'm not even going to evaluate my commitment to this till the end of the decade in 2030. Um, I, 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 this is a much deeper purpose calling type venture than anything I've done before, but in line with your, uh, subtitle of your podcast, it was, it was born out of adversity. It was born out of, uh, a, what am I going to do moment coming out of last time you and I spoke on this podcast, you know, we were both, as you say, wearing orange in the EOS community and, um, you know, faced with. Uh, a big decision when, when they made a big pivot of whether I was going to join them or not. And I just never had resonance in my soul that um, that was the, the group or uh, that I wanted to be in a long-term covenant with like that. And so I, I really spent the time going, all right, well, I don't think that's it. So what am I going to do? And as a serial entrepreneur, I went back to my addiction. I was like, I'll start a business. I'll buy a business. You know, I'll, I'll find something to do. I wasn't worried about that. But in the middle of that, I had my list. I had, you know, here's my businesses to buy. Here's my businesses to start, which one's the best. But I couldn't stop wrestling with what do I do with the clients that I have right now 
because I couldn't imagine not serving them or I couldn't imagine making the phone call and saying, I can't do this with you anymore. And, and some of it was for them because of the value and impact that they were getting. Some of it was for me. I've, I don't know that I've ever been as uh, fulfilled kind of working in my unique genius as I have and get to be when I'm facilitating senior leadership teams. So long story short, uh, one night, no other way to describe it, but divine download, the, the name, the model, the elements, all the pieces of system and soul kind of appeared on a sketch on my desk. Um, and, and I, it was off and running from there. I knew the direction that I was going, um, and, and that it was going to be something that I could do for a long time. How scared were you? Well, it was interesting. Um, I, I wasn't scared at all. Um, there were a couple legal things in there that I was scared of. Uh, and I, but I had no doubt that I'd be successful with my own clients that I already had. And that was the most important thing of the venture. And what I was able to do in that moment is infuse everything I've learned in my entrepreneurial junior journey that I think was a strength of mine being the culture, soul, identity, leadership, development side of what I had done in business and marry that with uh, some of the fundamental tools that, you know, EOS package together that create systems. Uh, So putting those two together was a, I knew that would be a win for my clients and that's all I needed to be. It got a little scarier when my partner, Chris White, talked me into saying, hey, this is more than for just you and your, your clients. We need to we need to share this with the world and, and open it up to other coaches. And that, that was a little scary to me because I never pictured myself the leader of a tribe of coaches. Um, so there was a little bit of like a, am I that guy conversation in my head? Um, and then the second thing we did that was probably the most scary in the process was when we decided to make the investment in our own software. Hmm. Um, because from a financial standpoint, that's when we took the, the big risk. Sure. Sure, sure. So as you, well, one place I want to go with all that. I guess what I want to go back to is you mentioned just the impact that you can have. How, how you, in your genius, you're in the front of the room, you're facilitating the conversations. Um, unpack that a little bit for, for, for anybody that maybe just doesn't even understand what it is we do at the front of the room. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we take uh, senior leadership teams on a journey. Uh, our sweet spot is transitioning, transforming uh, founder-led organizations to a team of senior leaders. And so what we do is we work with that entire senior leadership team and we can kind of boil down what we do into a few things. One is we help them get really aligned around a very focused strategic plan. We call it a roadmap. One play page. It's as much about who we want to be as an organization, how we're going to build the culture of the organization as it is what we do and, and the, the strategic steps we're going to take to get there. So that that's, that's super important, aligning, unifying the whole organization. It's a lot of pieces that are, are stuck in, in different leaders' heads, but it's great to get common language document that uh, kind of memorialize it so then we can 
use that to evangelize and have a common language for the whole organization. So that's huge. The second thing is what we call the four tools for confident execution. One of the reasons a lot of organizations don't spend time on a roadmap is because they're actually not confident that it matters. They don't, they're not confident that they can go execute against it. And so we have four tools for confident execution. We spend one day just breaking those down and installing those into the organization, kind of like the rails that the train runs on. And then from there, once we've got those four tools for confident execution, they've got their roadmap. Then our role is to come in uh, once a quarter and help them look back, take the time to assess that quarter. It's kind of like they're treading water for 90 days. And we show up as this island that they can crawl on, find refuge, take a deep breath, look at all the great and not great things that happened over those 90 days. And then uh, if we start at 8.30 in the morning, we get to like somewhere just close to lunch and the whole mindset set shifts to the next 90 days. What are the most important things that we need to think about and do? in the next 90 days and get really aligned on those and then define them really well, work on any of the like big opportunities that they have that they need to pave the way to have the best quarter ever. Cool. Adam, so as you shared the analogy about trading water and then, you know, you get clear on where they're going. I had this picture of them as they leave the island, they're actually swimming directionally again. Right? And, and they've yes, got and that's great. They've got they've got renewed energy, renewed renewed strength, like they're swimming again. But as they approach the ninety days, um, we humans that t- tends to be our limit, right? We start to maybe not have focus, or we've we've completed our milestones, and then we're like, okay, wh- where are we going next? And so then we hit this treading water. So that's a great analogy. Yeah, yeah. I'll add one more piece to it. It's kind of like the um, the analogy of building an airplane while it's flying. Like they're, they're trying to build this vessel so that they can swim together, swim more efficiently, but you can't build a vessel for the organization in one single quarter. So the first quarter they go out, they're still trying to tread water and build the base of the vessel, the hull, right? And then they get, you know, a couple quarters in, they've got a hull, they can at least now get on board and keep building this vessel that's ultimately the thing that they want to have to take them to where they want to go. <laughs> well, and so then it gets even better because at least the, as the analogy goes, because now I've gone from watching a group of people swimming and, you know, there's a lot of splashing and that can look a little chaotic. And what you described, now I see a crew team on board this vessel and everybody rowing in sync, right? And suddenly it's yeah. this very smooth, graceful looking uh, entity. Yeah. Yep. Almost turns into like the music in the background. Hmm. I'm glad we're recording this one. (laughs) (laughs) That was a a good spontaneous analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What, so when you, when you're engaging with um, a new leadership team, so somebody that is new to the journey, what are some of the common things that you see uh, time and again and the reason I'm asking is if for, for a listener, like just there may be some things that go off in their head, like, oh, we I'm experiencing that at work right now. Or you know, just like what are the things that make somebody raise yeah. their hand and say it's time? Yeah, um, there, there's a couple things. Um, I'll, let me give you a couple of the root 
things that happen. And then we'll talk about some of the symptoms that you see that are the manifestation of those. But uh, I, I think there's two things that most leaders have as a disadvantage going into leadership. Besides the fact that you've never done it before, right? So you're always, leadership means paving new ground because you're out in front, right? So the two things that we have at a disadvantage is a lot of leaders have never been taught some of the fundamentals about how to think about business, how to run the business, how to make bets in the business, how to structure the business, those sorts of things. So some of it just is some is like honest naivety of of what they know and how to do it because they're capable they are most most everybody i run into is capable except what leads me to the second thing is early on with these organizations you see really quickly the leaders that are there and they're not emotionally stable they don't look like they're not emotionally stable but if you're watching, if you're paying attention, it's it's the the ones with control, the ones with ego, the ones with defensiveness, you know, that that can't be challenged and or aren't willing to be challenged. So uh, I think there's just some tools that we can give them that they can pick up to accelerate their leadership capacity. But then I also, you know, my coach says that all business issues are a reflection of the heart of the leader. And so if we can start to have some conversations about what's going on in, in our hearts, which is, you know, decades and decades of baggage and trauma and fallen world stuff, right? But if we can have some honest conversations and move them into a more solid state of identity that's unshakable by the world around them, that's the absolute biggest impact that we get to make. Yeah. So you, I think it was you, did you post something the other day on the two, six, on your daily, um, the two, six, five, right? Two, six, two, one. six, one, the two, yeah. six, one, um, great plug. Which, the com. super short daily leadership tips, the two, six, com. everybody. And we'll get back to that again in a minute, but you told us, I think it, you shared a story about a client that you didn't, you didn't necessarily recognize that layer beneath is it, do I, do I have that right? And she, yeah, this, this person happened to be going through some really um, difficult times outside of work. And it speaks to what you just said with, you know, how we're able to, to impact. So if you would just quick share a little bit about that, if you, if you're okay with it and sure. That. Well, I already emailed it to the world. So glad to share it. Um, the, the, the premise was that I had been coaching this female CEO for uh, almost three years. And while I could tell you the impacts that we had to that business, like absolute turnaround 180 in that business is amazing. But we got to a point and I realized that she was miserable on the inside. She was killing it on the outside, killing it at work, but she was a little miserable on the inside. And so um, I felt like I had failed her by not asking questions sooner that would have you know, pulled those things to the surface to be a great ally, a healthy protector for her. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because oftentimes we see you know, as, the, as the clients take this journey, 
I was just going to say we start to see the the they they get more freedom to address those things. But I guess depending on where they're at and the awareness they have, and, and is anybody asking the questions? Maybe it just never maybe it just never comes to the surface. Yeah. Um, uh, well, we're we're taught to avoid those things in the workplace. We're taught we're taught like be professional. Like you leave leave yourself at home and come be this object of efficiency at the workplace. And that just never works. That, that, that is a recipe for burnout and just demoralization, right? We want to be, we're made to be whole beings. And so the more we can bring all of ourselves, uh, including the healthy stuff, you know, happening, if I'm invigorated outside of the work, I'm bringing that to work. And if I'm miserable outside of work, I'm bringing that to work. And so as leaders, we can't look at the 40 hours as the, that's the impact that we get to have on our employees. Because if, if we're only ever in those 40 hours, then we're missing the point of the human experience, right? We're, we're missing the point of leadership. The leadership, you know, the ability, we should be able to look back and see how over the course of a period of time, any willing employee's life got measurably better because they worked for you. And we don't always get the, the thank you and credit and, and uh, recognition of that. But 10 years later, when somebody asks a question about what's the best boss you've ever worked for, or who had a huge impact on your life, and they go, man, that one time I worked for Todd Halls and he believes in me. And that made all the difference in the world. And he made sure I was good, not just the 40 hours I was here, but he wanted to make sure my marriage was good. I was getting the margin I needed to get to my kids' little league games. Um, he cared about my health, all those things. It was a whole person experience. What I love best about all of that, well, is all of that. But but <laughs> but it's, it's it speaks to to my heart and where I'm at. And so you know, going back to a couple of years ago when I said, you know, I I need to be, I really want to be part of System and Soul. It's because of that soul side and my heart for leadership and for the impact that they can have on the lives of their team and, and their team's families. And, and so that just nailed why, uh, why I really get jacked up, jazzed up about what we do with system and soul and bring that soul yeah. component into the equation. Yeah, it, it's great stuff. Very rewarding. Yeah, yeah. What are some of the... What are some of the challenges you you faced and are facing as a relatively young business? Yeah. Um, one of the, the biggest thing is the fact that we are a relatively young business, which just in, we're in a, we're in a very broad market. Um, it, there are a lot of players out there and um, we we tend to win conversations if we get in the conversation but we're so young there's so many people out there that just don't know about system and soul and the impact it can have in their lives and their business so the biggest challenge that we find is is getting to the right audiences uh, for both recruiting other coaches to join us and you know clients that raise their hand and want to work with a coach and and have system and soul running in their business. Cool. 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 And for you personally, so that's the business challenges. You're, you're a husband and a dad and um, you've launched system and soul. 
plus, which which wants to serve your clients. So you've got kind of a dual business. You got your practice, and then you've got System of Soul. Like that's right. Um, it sounds like an awful lot, Bench. How do you how do you keep margin? What are what are the tools you use? How's that work? Um, really, for me, it's it's just about boundaries. Um, I heard somebody the other day say say if you want to be successful, don't set goals, set standards. So I, I don't know if standards are different than my boundaries, but I think they're probably kind of similar. And so the things that really matter to me, um, I, I've I've always been good at the margin game, Todd. That's never been my struggle. Uh, I just set such strong uh, boundaries around how much our travel. Um, I don't book book meetings past four o'clock in in the afternoon. Um, very, very rarely would it be an exception for me to do that. And usually, you know, if, if, um, if I get to four o'clock and I need to spend some time like closing down my day so that I can go home a healthy person, you know, not with my mind all wrapped up in all the things that were left undone, uh, I have a little margin so at worst, I'm walking in the house at five o'clock and um, that's five days a week uh, at the latest. Right. So and I very strong standards with the weekends. You know, if I travel, that's probably the exception. Travel a little bit for for work and um, the family understands that we we try and keep it at something that is tolerable by them and me. And it's just an ongoing conversation, but I've been married 24 years and almost 24 years. And, um, my wife has been an exceptional partner at believing in me and giving me the freedom to go and create. But then she's also like, Hey, we're not, I'm not raising your kids and I'm not taking care of your house. Like it's our kids and our house and we're doing it together. So you better be here to do it together. And, and so that's been a priority. Love that. You mentioned um, in the days when you get to four o'clock and you may have to just close some things out to, to, to get home health, like as that best version of you. What does that process look like? And I'm asking this specifically because maybe maybe there's a tool or a process or something. One of our listeners can think about my own experience for years. There was no end of the day necessarily. It's like, oh, it's time to go. And, you know, you got a call to make, what you're making in the car or, or whatever, yeah. and, and it just kind of bleeds over into everything. Yeah. So tell yeah. me how you actually get that shut off. Well, early in my entrepreneurial year, years, I was the same way and realized um, the impact that that was having to my family at home. And they felt like I was never present. It didn't matter if what time I got home if I wasn't present when I got there. So I would say that the biggest tool that I use – uh, and this has been a lifesaver. It's nothing magical. It's literally my to-do list. And if I can get any thoughts into my to-do list, then I can put the appropriate date on them and forget about it until that date comes and that to-do shows up. And a lot of times it's tomorrow is the date that it goes on uh, on the to-do list. And so I, I like to get to my desk early and do like just crank out anything administrative, you know, personal or business. And so, so that, that's become the routine for me is, and even if something does pop in my head at, you know, seven o'clock, 
I'm not going to sit there and stew on it. I'm going to take five seconds, say, excuse me while I capture this thought, put it into my to-do list in my phone, and then put my, flip my phone back over and I'm back in present. Because I, it, you, we, me and my buddy call it open loops. If, if you try and remember that in your head, there's just this open loop constantly running in the back of your head. Say, hey, don't forget this. Hey, don't forget this. Hey, don't forget this. And, and it's a subtle noise that takes you out of the present. So you do that times two, three, 10 different open loops in the back of your head. Well, now you're going to go crazy. And that that's what I think was happening to me until I was like, hey, just capture these. You don't have to solve them right now. You're just, you're not even trying to solve them. You're trying to not forget them. So just capture them. And just curious, are you a, are you a digital capture or are you a um, pen to paper? Um, I, I am absolutely digital because I want this everywhere. So, and it, I, I use Todoist, which is an app that syncs across, you know, all my devices and the web and everything. So I have access to it. I can actually do collaborative projects with other people where other people can assign things to me and I can assign them to them. Um, it's just real, it, it's been, it's one of, uh, maybe two apps that I pay for the premium subscription for that's, that's how vital it is for me. <laughs> and uh, you said it's called to doist. Yeah. To do okay. IST. Right. Cool. I will, I will check that out. Not familiar with that one. I'm stuck in, in between. So I've got my Michael Hyatt full focus planner and yeah. then I use, uh, uh, Google Cal and yeah, so my my coach is like, you got to clean that up. But oh, he used to say that. Yeah. Now he says, if this works for you and you're going to keep using it, just do that. But yeah, um, so you, uh, I know you've got a book, kind of a almost a self help guide, um, the Clarity Field Guide, right? Yeah. How did that come about? And tell if you if you would just give us a ten thousand foot view, and then we'll go from there. Sure. Um, it came about back, you know, when we were wearing and bleeding orange and one of the tools that we taught often was this idea of taking a clarity break and a clarity break is the equivalent. If we go back to our Island and our metaphor and our analogy, it, it, but it's, it's not with the coach showing up with the Island. It's you isolating yourself so that you can Think deeply about the things that matter in the business. Um, the problem was we there were there were no real tools that we were just told to tell leaders go out in the woods with pen and paper and hope magic happens. And so I, I through my work I felt like there was uh, a healthy framework to think about uh, how you think about the clarity breaks, and then some guides and some great questions to reflect on and dream about as you're having those, those times and, and different times for different people. Some leaders, they like taking like an hour a week or a half day a week. Some people, you know, that doesn't work and they take one day a month and just disappear and, and go through it. But the model to think about it um, very quickly mimics the seasons that we have in nature. And it's been shown how, our body biologically mimics this. Um, now, females do it on a very regular basis, uh, approximately 28 days takes them to run a cycle. 
And men are more like schizophrenic. Like you might run the cycle in a week, you might run it in three months and it's probably not even consistent, but you go through the, the seasons in, in spring, you have this just vitality of new energy, like a million ideas. Uh, we're prone to overcommit in that season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've got all this new energy, you know, go, go, go drive, drive, drive. Everything's, you know, positive. And then we go into summer and summer is about executing, executing on the things that spring brought. So spring brought all these ideas and plans and now we're in summer and summer is about executing those. And so we, it's still good energy, still feels good. Uh, the sun's out and we're moving, uh, but then fall hits and the harvest and, um, you know, the a success and failure in a harvest is the same vortex. The same things happen to us internally when we're successful with something because most of our success is unfulfilling. It's not, you know, it doesn't have any gratification effects ongoing. Right. So, so we, we hit this, Hey, I want to run a mile, a marathon and you run a marathon and you're on the mountaintop. And the next morning you run up, you wake up depressed because you no longer have the purpose that you had for running the marathon. And you, you're, you know, that's in the past. There's nothing now in the present or in the future. So the fall kind of feels that same way. It feels like the day after a marathon. And uh, we call that uh, the doldrums. You know, it feels a little bit like depression. And I used to get really scared when I got into this, like, oh, something's wrong with me. I need fixed. How do I get out of this? And I tried to escape it as quickly as possible. And what I learned over a long period of time, mostly with the help of my coach, was to embrace that season. That season is there for a reason and things need to die. You can't have spring without the fall, right? Mm -hmm. And so then we go into the winter and the winter is about cocooning. And cocooning, if you think about the the moth to the butterfly, it's it's about the, the space between death and new life of the spring. So it, it doesn't necessarily feel like death. It feels a little more like um, hot chocolate by the fire, like wrapped up in a blanket kind of a thing. Like uh, you just, you're just kind of introspective in that season. Um, so the point of it is to know what season you're in so that you can go and take those clarity breaks and ask the appropriate questions for the season. You don't want to ask like, what is my purpose for life in the fall? It's the wrong season, right? Like you're going to come up with miserable answers. So we just want to ask like time season appropriate questions to ourselves about what's going on inside of us and what's going on inside of our business. And then we can come our, away with that with, with some clarity of ideas um, and some answers. You know, the, I, I love the subtitle of that book. It's the answers that no one else can give you. It's easy to want to read a book where the answers are all in there and you walk away going, oh, I learned something and now I'm smarter. Uh, the, the problem is, uh, as Derek Silver says, if, if information was the answer, we'd all be millionaires with six-pack abs, right? We all, we all know what to do. Problem is we don't do it. And so this gives you a way to align what you need to do internally and externally uh, with the right season to do it. Cool, cool, cool. I know it's having uh, 
everybody I've talked to that is using it with consistency or regularity, I guess, um, it's it's having significant impact um, be, because they are, and I think part of it's the the format of the book, but it's creating a, almost a reason to make the discipline to take a little bit of time off to unplug, so to speak. Yeah. Well, yeah. So you mentioned something. So this, I want to just hit on this notion because of the second part of the subtitle of this podcast, you talked about the fall, right? And when people hit success and, you know, succeed at something like a marathon, you wake up the next day, like, where's that wiring come from? What, you know, when we think of success, what's your definition? And yeah, I've wrestled with that question for a long time. So I'll, I'll give you my current definition. This maybe isn't my forever definition, but this is where I'm at right now. It's the best. It's the thing that's resonated with me the most. And it is that success is accomplishing what you set out to do. That's it. Which makes it very important what we set our intentions to. Because that's going to be the thing. And, and, and you know, one of the things that we run into, Todd, I'm sure you see this all the time, is it's when you're on that Island in those quarterly sessions, it's really easy to be ambitious. Oh, we can do this and this and this and this. And then we get into the quarter and we actually can't do all of that. Like we have too many competing priorities and customer fires and employee quits. And there's always something in business. That's like the definition of business. There's always something. So when we, when we get into that season of, of uh, not, accomplishing what we set out to do it's demoralizing so we're actually better off if we can set smaller expectations of what we want to do what we want to accomplish knock those out of the park or 2x them right there's no reason we have to stop when we hit the goal we can keep going we can keep crushing but that's actually the key ingredient that creates momentum is is small repeatable like successes happening after successes happening after successes. That's, that's what creates uh, momentum in an organization. And so we're actually, when we said these big ambitious things that there's, you know, we consistently fall short of, even if we two X what we, you know, would have done without having this goal, but we were two X short of the goal. We feel like absolute losers. We're not focused on the fact that we two X the thing, we focused on the fact that we fell short and didn't hit our goal. So it's really, it, it's really this tricky thing. Um, it goes with the quote that people underestimate what you can do in a long period of time and overestimate what you can do in a short period of time. And so if we can start to think a little bit long-term as leaders, then it allows us to, to stack up these short-term successes that lead to the long-term win. Thank you. Uh, so I'd never, so whenever I have a conversation about success, it's usually some sort of, I'm going to put some sort of measurable on it, or, or maybe that's not a fair word, but uh, as you shared your, de- your current definition, what came to mind was, of course it is. That, that's it. If I decide to go get a cup of coffee and I go down and get a cup of coffee, that's, that's success, setting out. Accomplishing what you set out to do. Yeah. I'll give you one other insight into this that's starting to marry with it 
Um, and it's really helpful for, for business owners, but we're developing this tool around the six types of compensation. So when we think about compensation in the workplace, we typically think about what is my salary? What is my bonus? You know, what is, what is my comp structure? And there's actually six types of compensation and we can ask good questions to find out if people feel like they're being fairly compensated. So only one of the six is financial. There's social, spiritual, uh, psychological, physical, physical being like the margin that it allows you outside of work. And so in a, in a conversation, uh, well, here's the, the trick is to remember that success is different for, for everyone. Right. And mm-hmm. by our definition, it's so, um, when we have these conversations with our employee and we actually have them rate those questions one through four on the six types of compensation, it's important for us to also ask which one of these actually matter to you. Because I was in a conversation where, um, you know, my, my operator does that quarterly coaching with me and gives me feedback. And I had one or two of those lower than all the rest. And she, she was really worried that like, what are we going to do about this? I'm like, nothing. You don't have to do anything. If these two are high for me, I am a happy human being. These two are why I'm here. I need compensated in these two areas. If I'm good there, the rest fall, they, they matter less and less and less, but very few leaders could actually tell you for every employee in their organization, which two matter most. And that leads to the feeling of success. When you, man, when you have those, when you know what those two are, what the game you're playing. Uh, and I, I bring that up because you said you kind of want to, if you want something measurable yeah. and if there was something to measure, I, I would, in the workplace, I would think about that. What are the, what are the types of compensation that matter to this person? Yeah. Uh, and that makes perfect sense that there may be six types, but all six aren't going to necessarily hit every person, right? There'll be there'll be one or two, maybe three, but at some point, the other are going to have less value, say, to me than you. But the, yes. the three that aren't valuable to me may be top of yours. So being aware of that and being able to uh, to make sure that where your value is is where we're making sure you're feeling compensated. Right. Our our mutual friend Jonathan King used use the this um, analogy which i loved he said you know look at look at the military branches right they they don't pay well they give you almost no margin outside of of work but if you want purpose if you want the compensation of purpose and mission they're off the charts right yeah if you want if you want the social aspect of community and doing something like bonded like brothers absolutely off the charts Nobody goes into the military because they want to make their biggest ambition. The thing they care about most is making a lot of money. Right. And so you, you not only have people that are wired certain ways, you have organizations that are structured to compensate uh, based on some things more than others. And so if we understand what type of company we are, then it helps us attract the people that feel highly compensated in our model. Yeah, which brings us back to the roadmap and spending some time on on the identity and the culture, et cetera, that you're trying That's to create, right. the soul. Absolutely. Awesome.
Ben, this has been an amazing conversation. Thanks for being on. Um, for folks that want to talk to you personally, learn more about System and Soul from you, whatever the case may be, what's the, where's the best place to find you? And go ahead and plug the261.com again. Yeah, uh, that, that is the place, the, and then the number 261.com. There's 261 work days in the work year. So every single day, we're going to send you an email that takes you no more than 90 seconds to read. Uh, but it's going to be the things we, we kind of went and organized all the things that we know we should think about, ask, and do as a leader. But there's a lot of them, like 261 of them. So we can't, you know, how do we keep that straight and remember all the things we're supposed to do? So we kind of organized them on the calendar year. We send out one every day. And uh, tip, pe people really appreciate that. So give it a try. Sign up for that. And on that same page, you can link over to System and Soul or my LinkedIn and find uh, the book too, probably. Find everything from there. Cool. Thanks, Benj. Uh, before we go, if you would leave uh, our audience with one important or impactful question they should be asking themselves, what would it be? Well, I'm sure you've heard me tell this story since we've been around each other for more than a minute, but it's worth repeating if, if anyone hasn't heard it. Um, it's going to be three questions, but they're all wrapped up together. And at some point, every leader needs to be able to have a very strong, confident answer to these questions. Who am I? Why do I matter? And who is my audience? Awesome. Thank you for that. Uh, and I just want to say as a, as a coach in your organization, System and Soul, a heartfelt, truly grateful uh, thank you. Thank you for your leadership and for everything you do for the coaches in the community, the tribe that you have uh, so, so boldly and humbly led uh, as well as you do. So thanks, Bench. I appreciate it. That's super kind. It's fun to do it with you. Cool. Listeners, thank you so much for the gift of your time for tuning in. I truly hope uh, you found some value here. Whatever grand vision you've been given, whatever dream God has put on your heart, remember you can. Until next time, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful, and live life strong. Peace, everybody. Well, thank you so much for listening. For even more on turning trials into triumphs and seeking and embracing success, go to toddhalls.life. That's toddhalls.life. And I look forward to serving you. Until next time, be strong, be bold, be humble. Stay healthy, stay hopeful. Peace to you.